Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, I'm a founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is a advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture around the world from crisis to comfort. We believe that by joining forces and sharing just everyday knowledge and having everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss that just stifle so many people, not just those diagnosed, but also those um, that are caring for them. And together, I think by having these conversations, we can help everyone understand what the true needs are and we can discover new tools and we can get rid of the myths, um, again, that just create this massive fear and isolation that people feel when they're dealing with this disease. Um, I know that uh, collaboration is just key in terms of making a difference. And, you know, we're really kind of one of those grassroots efforts out there, um, just trying to engage people in conversation. And I know that we're having a great effect because we were honored uh, by ShareCare and Dr. Oz as being the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's disease. And that is because of all of our listeners and all of our followers. So I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your participation, your activism in terms of making a difference. Your likes, your shares, your tweets um, have a profound impact. And a lot of times we don't realize how big of an impact we're having because we're touching people we don't even know. Um, Sometimes it's just opening that door by sharing an episode of this show, or maybe it's something on the blog or in our resource directory, um, or one of the dementia chats where I interview people that actually have dementia. Um, So many people don't have the conversation, and they will feel more comfortable if they see more information about it. So reach out and share. If you haven't liked us or shared us or tweeted us, um, I recommend that you not only share our show here on Blog Talk Radio, but go to alzheimerspeaks.com and um, there's lots of different platforms that we have there. We've got information on the memory cafes as well. We've got a, a mentorship program around the world that can help people um, find uh, find out information on how they how they get set up um, 
you know, to provide additional support. And again, it's not just about what we're doing. This, These are global efforts. So by no means do I think I have all the answers. Today's show is going to be quite fun. And we are going to be um, talking with a couple of ladies today that are, are doing some very unique and fun things. Um, and I want to invite you all to be part of that conversation. And you can do so by calling in live, and the number is 714-364-4757. Again, if you didn't have your pen and paper handy, that number is 714-364-4757. Five seven, um, or you know, normally you can use our chat box, but I, I have to be honest. Today, I'm having a little bit of a problem um, with my chat box um, initiating. So we're gonna we're gonna see. I'm gonna try it one more time, <laughs> and, and I'll continue to try uh, through the show. But it looks like they've done some upgrades here, and I might have to upload uh some new software which I wasn't wasn't aware of and I don't want to do that during the broadcast. So calling in live will be the best way to to get a hold of us today. Um I also always like to give a shout out to um some organizations that that I feel really strongly about and some projects out there just to highlight and so I'm going to take some time to do that right now. Alzheimer's Disease International um is not known by a lot of people but they are the organization of all the Alzheimer's associations around the world and they are doing profound work. They have they were um part of the the G8 summit and I believe Mark Wartman were looking at having him scheduled on the 28th of this month to come and tell us what was it like about all the nations getting together to create a plan. Um, He's going to talk about their conference coming up in May and what's on the agenda for that. Um, Also, there's a new study on um, nutrition that he's going to talk about and then keeping people active in, in the workplace. So that should be a, a very fun show. The Purple Angel Project, which Norms McNamara started, I'm one of the ambassadors for that. That is the new global symbol for dementia. If you are interested in um, becoming part of that, there is no cost to that. Please reach out to me. You can shoot me an email at Lori L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com, or you could um, contact me through the radio show as well. It's probably easiest, though, if you go to our homepage um, with the main website. There's a big contact button there. Um, That's probably the easiest route to catch me. And again, that's just www.alzheimerspeaks.com, both words plural. I um, also want to give a shout-out to the Louis Body Association, the Frontal uh, Temporal um, Degeneration Organization, the National Aphasia Association, and the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, which really takes a holistic approach. All of these are doing wonderful wonderful work and they would they would love to share their knowledge with you as well. A lot of times people don't know that when they are um 
you know, in the midst of this disease, and there's so many different types of dementia that there are specific organizations for all of them. And it's it's good to be able to connect with those specifics as well. The Alzheimer's Studies, um, you can go there to find out about a clinical trial. Uh, they're in their uh, third cl- clinical trial for tau and still taking applicants for that. Just go to www.alzheimersstudies.com or you can go visit the Alzheimer's team on on Facebook. And then Music First, I just adore them. Um, Puzzle With Me, Jiminy Wicked are all um, great ways to interact socially. Um, Choral Health with Music First, of course, is music. Puzzle With Me has developed a, a great puzzle, um, good size um, pictures are appropriate Um, and then Jiminy Wicket is about engaging um, intergenerations playing croquet together which is really uh, a very very neat neat concept so I just want to thank them all for for their work because it's it's critical to all of us in terms of of making things better. I want to introduce our first guest today who is Ray Lynn Ziegler and she is an occupational therapist and certified in sensory um integration, which a lot of people don't really know what that is. And so we're going to have her talk about that a little bit so that we've got a a good feel for what that means. Um, You know, who experienced first hand uh, the challenging disease of AD with her her mother and has provided long-distance caregiving and visits at regular intervals at the same time raising two children. So she's really kind of been in the thick of things, um, understands this disease probably from a lot of different angles. And she's done all this while wanting to remain lovely and and connected in her relationships. Um, And so she became the author of the book, Let's Look Together. And it is used when she sat side by side when visiting her mother. And she's going to explain how this book kind of came about and how powerful it is and how all of us can use it, not just professionals but families as well. She is... uh, her, her specialty is really in the neurological rehabilitation area with a special interest in cognitive challenges. Um, and she has really been prompted to create this out-of-the-box solution um, to unique situations. Uh, she also, uh, Ray Lynn, also is available for speaking engagements as well. And I think I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation that we have with her today. Um, she's she's done a, a lot of research and, and study with this. Um, and I, I think some of the things that she's going to tell us are really going to surprise you as an audience. I know they did me um, because it's, it's opposed to some of the things that we we think we should be doing. So, Ray Lynn, welcome to the yes. show. How how are you today? Good morning. Fine, thank you. Thanks for all the work that you're doing. 
Well, I'm I'm glad you're here. We've got, uh, you know, I'm up in Minnesota, and it is colder than the Dickens up here. You know, <laughs> we've got like 50 below windshield, and and um, I'm hoping it's not going to inter, uh, interfere with my internet because that's the platform I use for the Blog Talk Radio here. Um, but you you never know. So I've got my fingers crossed. The sun is shining, and everything is looking good so far. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I well, am, it's not I'm, as cold down here in in North Carolina as it is up in Minnesota, but it's pretty darn cold. Well, good. Well, I wanted you to um, give us a little insight. Um, I think first, let's start out with um, this sensory um, integration. Can you tell us what, what do you mean by that? Because I think that'll help give us a, a little base before we jump into things, what that's all about when it comes to occupational therapy. Sure, sure. Um, sensory integration um, is a term that refers to a theory of learning um, that was first developed uh, by an occupational therapist in the mid-60s. Um, and it refers to how um, we learn as human beings. Um, and if you have children, if you can remember back to when they were infants, um, they were absorbing things uh, in their world in ways that we probably rec- both recognized and didn't recognize because we didn't have the, the the tools to to have a vocabulary to put on things. But um, we all know about sound um, or listening, um, our visual or vision system, um, tasting or the gustatory system, um, touching or the tactile system. Um, and then the two other words that I know that most people probably wouldn't have thought of when they were raising their kids was that we have a proprioceptive system and a vestibular system, and um, all of these sensory mechanisms um, work together to allow us to move, to allow us to talk, uh, to allow us to um, form ideas in our head and and then talk about them. Um, and to allow us to feel safe in this world. Um, I mean, we don't think of, I guess, I don't know how many of you saw the movie Gravity that was out with... um, uh, Sandra Bullock? Sandra Bullock, yes, and uh, George Clooney. Um, But it shows these astronauts um, out in space uh, without gravity, and if... If we didn't have gravity grounding us to the earth, um, I mean, I don't know how many of us think about, you know, how that would feel. Um, So the vestibular system and the proprioceptive system um, are ones that aren't as recognized but are very powerful um, sensory mechanisms, and the vestibular system is the is the in the inner ear and allows us to uh, to be able to be balanced um, and to be able to feel gravity as we move. And the proprioceptive system is in our muscles and our tendons and our joints and allows us to know how our body parts are moving uh, without realizing that we're really um, engaging them. Um, so it's all at a, a subconscious level um, that all of these sensory mechanisms sort of come together and allow us to be the human beings and adaptable as we are. Um, and so in Alzheimer's, um, what's happen, happening um, is that the brain, the brain cells aren't connecting as, as well, 
and um, they are regressing over time so that the impact of each of these um, sensory uh, organs and modalities um, lessens. Um, It's still working, but it lessens. And so as... um, as the caregivers, we need to be aware that it's um, that uh, we need to use those senses um, and capitalize on them more than we than we might normally otherwise. Um, so, um, I don't. Did, does that is that yeah, helpful? That, I, I think that I think that helps a lot in terms of of, of what all you you know your focus. Um, is in specialty. Let's talk about your book. Let's look together. Can you tell us, um, you know, why did why did you feel the the passion um, to get this book written? Because you know, writing any type of book, putting anything like that together, takes a tremendous amount of time and energy. And um, you know, most people talk about doing it, but but most don't do it um, just for that reason. And so I'm just curious with you, what what was your drive? Well, um, when you introduced me, you had I think that you said that I was uh, I lived long distance from my my parents, and uh, I was raising my two kids, and uh, my parents lived in Ohio, and um, I live here in North Carolina, and um, so I had. Um, promised myself and my parents that when I moved and as they aged that I would you know there's we got we've got jet airplanes we've uh, we've got uh, good freeway systems and so I would um, would come to see them and because um, it was hard it was hard to leave my parents as they were starting to uh, to age and have things happen to them but um, as you know you have to do what you have to do and um so anyway, um, I would go visit my mother um, and father, and I would spend probably about four days of quality time with both of them. And as my mother continued to progress with the disease, um, she became less able to express what she was thinking. And so I'm sure as the listening audience knows all too well that um, – uh, whether you're at a cocktail party or whether you're with a person with alt- Alzheimer's um, and dementia, uh, at times we're at a loss for words for knowing how do I engage this person. Um, and I, I am a fairly verbal, vocal person, and my mother is too, was too. Um, but um, that ability to sit down next to each other and have a normal uh, conversation started to get lost, and um, and it made me feel very helpless because we always had been able to talk uh, very easily together. So um, I think because I would go there and stay for the extended period of time that I did, uh, it capitalized, it magnified the fact that, uh, wow, what am I going to do while I'm here with my mom? Um, and um, I know that most of us have been told uh, along the way uh, when we're dealing with a person who has Alzheimer's or dementia that, you know, family photographs, um, you know, pick them out of the box and, and show them to your, your loved one and, uh, you know, talk about memories from uh, the July 4th picnic or Christmas that year or uh, 
the beautiful cake that um, you remember mom making. Um, and in the end, um, what I have found is that if you show a person a picture and nothing is forthcoming um, because they can't remember the name of the loved one or the event, um, it ends up, um, oh, I think that it can in the end allow the person or have the person feeling uh, possibly that, oh, my gosh, I don't know what, what their name is. And then in response, we try to engage them and say, well, don't you remember that was Aunt Susan? Um, and, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, in the end, I don't know who ends up feeling um, positive about that interaction, that, that exchange that just occurred, because uh, there's nothing you're going to do that's really going to be able to uh, elicit that memory if the brain is not able to bring it, uh, bring it up. Um, so there's an so it's an expectation that that um, you know they'll look at this picture of this family member and they'll remember and then when they don't it's it can be devastating to both people. So um, I, being an occupational therapist, um, you know the cornerstone of the profession is using activity uh, to um, uh, to be the tool or to be the bridge to whatever. Uh, disconnect there is going on, whether it's from a neuromuscular standpoint uh, or a cognitive standpoint. And so I needed to get my mother, or wanted to get my mother a Christmas present one year and just didn't quite know what to get her and went out to the store, um, to the typical um, bookstores, uh, knowing that my mom has always loved books and that books would bring us sitting side by side. So uh, I went to the store to see if I could find some books that had just photographs in it um and uh there was really not nothing out there that allowed me to feel professionally and personally that it would sort of um provide the the springboard uh the opportunity for automatic kind of uh conversation um so i I there was a need, and so I f- filled the need by creating this um, book that has pictures of photographs of children in it of different ages, um, participating in different uh, events, special events, um, participating in different um, things or experiences that um, capitalize on sensations. Um, some, all of them that I've mentioned, uh, the taste and the uh, touch, um, and even movement. And then I also um, drew upon the emotion, basic emotions that we all have as human beings that um, are imperative in our day-to-day expression of, of how we're feeling. So anything from anger to joy. Um, so I've tried to capture um, those three main categories in the, in the faces and the pictures um, within the book. Um, and... Something that I learned um, as I uh, used the book that I had created originally for my mother was that how important it was that none of the pictures were my children uh, or my family um, so that uh, my mother wasn't going to be right or wrong. Uh, And in the end, it saved me and allowed me to feel um, that um, I, I wouldn't necessarily be sad because she couldn't recall who it was. Um, 
so um, I I was prompted by a friend of mine to to publish the book, and uh, I thought, oh my goodness, no, <laughs> uh, I'm, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I, you know, Lori, never having done a book before, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it was a lot of work, um, even though the book is very simple in what it has to uh, to do. Um, and what I've written in it, uh, it has been um, it has been a dedication of, of passion, um, and I knew that there was there was nothing out there. And uh, I did go to the Alzheimer's Association here in North Carolina, uh, so that I uh, was open to uh, what they the resources that they knew that I certainly didn't. And um, so um, it's. Just one of those things you sort of feel compelled to give back, um, and um, uh, that's basically how I ended up creating it. And the book basically allowed my mother and I to have in the moment, failure-free conversation um, that uh, allowed us to remain connected uh, emotionally. Um, and uh, even if we looked at it one, you know, say at one o'clock in the afternoon, and she would take a nap and get up, we could pull out the book and look at it again, and she wouldn't remember that we had looked at it uh, an hour before, and we'd have fresh conversation all over again. Um, And sometimes she would just laugh um, at the pictures, which was um, therapeutic all by itself. Um, Oh, you know, um, I want to jump in and just make a couple of comments um, to to what you're talking about, because I, I think you've made some critical points that... Most of us go through family photos, and it's a testing of the memory. And even if that's not our intent, is to just have conversation um, for someone who's struggling with with memory issues, that's how it's perceived. Um, Anyways, that's that's what they tell me, and I'm sure that that you've seen that as well. So I think that it's um, key here in this instance, and again, it's going to depend on, you know, exactly where they are in the progression of the disease. But when it gets to that point where there's there's no recollection um, or or very little, um, and uh, you know, to use those non non family pictures, you know, because there is no right or wrong. You're you're in this together. You're all equal, and having a conversation versus any, you know, there's there's no ability for misinterpretation. You know, with what's the goal here? Is it I'm testing you or is it that I just really want to reminisce about this end? You know, I don't really care about the details, but when I have a conversation, um, those things don't really get discussed and and talked about. And so I think that, um, you know, this is a very, very um, different and unique look at what we've been told to do. Um, Richard Taylor, I love him to death. He he is living with the disease, and, and he would say, you know, why? He would go visit places, and he'd say, you know, you have all these little memory boxes, and you've got all these photos of everybody in my family. And he says, but I need to know who's taking care of me today. <laughs> You know, um, who who are the people in my world now? Yeah. So there's there's many different ways to to look at this um, and to use photographs, and and I think that this is a brilliant way to be able to have have discussions and and just relax. 
you know, and be together. Um, I love the the pictures in this book. Um, You know, they just elicit emotion um, in in every scenario. And there's one here with a little girl in in pink with her hands up and her eyes wide and her mouth wide open, like, oh, my, you know. And, I mean, you just cannot, you know, you just, like, what's she thinking about? What do you think she saw? You know, um, I mean, you can go down so many different paths. There's a a boy in here with his arms crossed and, again, just kind of a frown on his face and not looking too happy. And, you know, another one, somebody getting a phone call that just looks excited. I mean, they just, they all elicit a story um, that anybody can tell because all of our perceptions um, are are um, different yet equal in terms of their value. And and I think that's one of the things that I I really like. The the other thing that I wanted to ask that I that I found interesting is you have the pictures um in various positions on the pages. And so, you know, typically every photo would be just centered in the book. And and these are purposely not. Um can you can you tell us and they're they're not all the same size they're you know some of them are cut out and um you know have different backgrounds can you tell us um why you decided to um position things and and um i guess pick the pictures sure. that you did sure well um i'm going to start with the fact that i used um children um and there is there is an infant in there um uh, in the book and then uh there is a picture of a early 20s year old uh young man um and um i chose children because children are, i feel are are fairly universally uh regarded by most everybody and it it brings back um when you see a child, whether you're in the shopping mall or you're at a uh, family dinner um, where there is a small child, um, don't we all sort of automatically respond to the child, to the liveliness of the child? And because their emotion is so um, natural and free-flowing and uh, unguarded, uh, whereas as we grow, all grow older, we uh, realize that, uh, you know, oh, we have to behave such and such in this situation. And so uh, children have a very spontaneous energy to them uh, that um, I think all of us in our bodies, whether we can say it or not, you know, remember, remember what it's like to be a child and and how free it was. Um, So children um, is the main subject. And um, as far as strategy of placement, um, first of all, there's no words in the book, uh, Lori, um, on each of the pages. I'm sure you noticed that as you mm-hmm. looked um, at each of the pictures. And um, I did that so that, as you mentioned, that each picture uh, could have its own story. Uh, there is no right, right story you know, to each of the pictures or the pages. And um, as far as how I placed them, um, and this goes back to my sensory integration um, learning and training, is that, um, and we all know this, we just don't necessarily, haven't been taught you know, about this, but, you know, when you are learning, you um, need novelty and you need 
to have repetition. And um, so uh, each of these pictures is placed on the page in a different way so that the brain, uh, first you, uh, you're going to look at it, and your brain's going to go, huh, the picture's not, and this is not a conscious thing, um, but you go, oh, the picture is not where I expected it to be. I have to pay attention to to where it is on the page and how is it different. Um, on the second page in my book, there is a picture of a toddler, and I purposely uh, omitted part of his lower lip so that unconsciously, again, the brain goes, huh, there's something missing. Um, and so as a person with Alzheimer's and dementia um, progresses with the disease process, um, they have less ability to concentrate and to pay attention um, to whatever's in front of them. And so I made sure that um, I put enough novelty in terms of placement on the page, color, uh, subject, um, age, uh, size, so that again and again as the page is turned, the brain is responding to um, the, the uniqueness of each page. And it's staying awake and it's paying attention. Um, and I did find, I, I do have research in the book in the back, I I did find that on average, um, and this was over a, um, a group of people that were um, anywhere from uh, maybe end, from early onset um, into later stages, um, but probably about 15 minutes is about the most that um, any one individual uh, stayed focused in the book. Um, but um, um, the the prize of the book, though, is is that you can you can pick up uh, the book and start at any other page uh, at any given time when you you know when you recommence uh, sitting with the with the person uh, who you're sit- talking with. Um, and I think that pretty much says about why the the strategy of I, and I. Mm, I think that this is where people can relate to it, is that if you are listening to somebody who's speaking monotone and doesn't have inflection in their voice or they're speaking very softly, uh, most of us lose um, our ability to really focus on what that person is saying. They sort of lose us. Um, And uh, so likewise, in this book, visually, I've I've created a situation where there's not going to be visual monotone. Okay. Well, I like I said, I, I think it's just, um, it was really interesting when I picked the book up for the first time because, you know, I looked at the pictures and, and I was like, well, that's interesting. Why are the, why are the pictures placed there? I know there's a reason, <laughs> but I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what it is. Why aren't they all just big, you know, and take up the whole page? And, and, but it does, it makes you, it makes you think, it makes you process and, um, steps you back a little bit and and for me look a little deeper too as to I knew there was a meeting but I didn't know what <laughs> you know right uh, right and so um very I think it's very very interesting how all of those things come into play you know with this now um who would you recommend this book for would you see it just for professionals to use or other families or or both, or well, 
Well, when I first made it, Lori, I, I was very selfishly making it, you know, as a gift to my mother for my mother and myself. And um, so when I had it published, I really wanted the population that would purchase it the most would be the um, would be the family members, uh, and it can be anybody from you know you're buying it for say the husband f- for the wife or for the uh, adult children such as myself when I go visit with mom, but it certainly um, uh, would be very appropriate to, for grandchildren to use with their grandmother or their grandfather. Um, what I and um, Certainly, um, it's very appropriate for a professional person to use. I mean, whether you're a speech therapist um, and want to encourage uh, what I have coined phrased as automatic language um, um, or the recreational therapist who might use, I mean, I made suggestions in the back of the book for how it can be used in groups. Um, And one thing that I have found, though, although I think it's very appropriate for all the um, different populations that I've mentioned, uh, what I have come to learn uh, when I have been a vendor at different conferencing events um, is that when you're in the middle of coping with and learning about um, Alzheimer's and dementia that your loved one is experiencing, um, you're grieving. Uh, You're grieving because you're losing um, the loved one in the way that you had always known them, and um, you are um, less able to um, take in new information um, about how to cope. And so um, what I have found is that the people who are first going through this um, don't quite understand how the book works or why it works. And so I have found that the professionals is the one, are the people that uh, end up teaching the family members uh, and are a resource for them. So... Uh, the work that you're doing today by having me on your blog radio show is wonderful um, because I can speak hopefully to a, a good uh, cross-section of, of professionals as well as um, family members um, and be open and honest. Um, and um, and I understand, I understand, I, I really do, my, my, that when you're going through the disease and if you're not in a medical field, um, you just don't understand exactly um, what's happening to the brain. And, and there's another part of you that just doesn't quite frankly want to understand because it's so devastating. Um, my father was in denial for quite a quite a long time um, while my mother was uh, progressing with the disease. And um, so I don't know that he would have even been open to, to using the book um, because, of course, Mom was normal, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. or she should be. So, um, anyways, there's there's a, a good cross section um, as far as who can use the book and and how it can be used. You know, one of the things that that I would like to see happen more, and I don't know, you know, what your perception is, but my perception is that a lot of professionals don't share their everyday tools with families um, <clears throat> once they're, you know, when when people are placed. And I, I just think that that would be so beneficial um, for families in terms of visits and, and, you know, if they're coming in or if they're taking people out, um, just to help people, you know, find that that comfort because they don't know what to do. They they're just so lost at how to how to interact and what to say and um 
you know, do I accept this for what it is or do I correct them? Um, and there's just, I, I don't see those conversations. Do you with professionals with families? I guess as well, much as I'd like really- to see them. Yeah, I can only speak to the situation, that the environment that my mother was in, and I know my father paid uh, a pretty hefty monthly price for her to be living in this uh, assisted and, uh, you know, uh, living situation. Um, I found that more often than not, um, and I think this is probably true pretty uh, against a pretty cross section of um facil- professional situations and settings um is that there's so much paperwork that is required of these these uh immediate caregivers and uh and then there are those individuals who don't get paid very much uh, so they don't have much motivation to put extra time in um above and beyond you know what they've been tasked to do which is taking them uh, the individual to the bathroom or making sure they're at the dining room table in time uh for their lunch meal uh and so i unfortunately i find that at least i found that um when i would go to see my mom that you know mom would be sitting in a chair by herself um and I would say that probably it was the aides that had a little bit more flexibility with their time that could be seated with uh, some of these individuals that were, you know, seated in the cafeteria or the eating dining room area. Um, But the nursing staff needs to, I mean, they're the leaders, they're the um, uh, directors of their programming, and and so, they, yeah, they do need to um, empower whether it's the you know worker that works at the uh, community or whether it's a family member that comes in and they can notice that they're having a hard time coping. Um, but, you know, how do you resolve that? How do you end up allowing so many people uh, across our country, across our world, to know what the resources are? Um, I mean, that's where the work of your radio blog, Lori, is helping. Um and um uh because there's only so many hours in a day <laughs> um, but it is very frustrating it's very frustrating yep yep let me just see i think we might have a caller in i'm not quite sure like i said my my back room is being a little goofy here in the radio so let me see okay. um do i have a live caller on on the line that would like to make a comment you are live right now on the show. Nope, it doesn't look like it. It's okay. Well, and Lori, before uh-huh. I, I mean, so that I don't omit this because you know the Alzheimer's Association that we all have in our states and in our cities, they do have um, wonderful resources for those folks that haven't ventured out of their comfort zone and to, to get support and help. I know my father, uh, as much as we encouraged him to. Uh, to reach out to to become involved in either a support group or the local Alzheimer's Association, he he didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it will probably take a couple more generations, um, uh, you know, before um, more of that happens across the board. But um, 
So I don't mean to say that there aren't good resources out there and that they that there isn't there aren't efforts being made. Um, it's just that there are, um, we're all at different stages and phases of you know learning about the de- disease and being able to embrace it. Well, and I and I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, we can have all of the resources we want, but if we're not connecting with people. Um, to the level that's needed, then we're not being as effective as we could be. And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with um, not any any one group or association by any stretch. It just has to do with the the massive amount of stigma attached yeah. to this disease yeah. that we have to that we have to break through and break down and and get people comfortable and and not embarrassed, not ashamed, not fearful of what if they know. You know, what if right. they what if they know what I'm really dealing with here? Um right. and, and I think that that's just such a spooky, spooky um factor. Um I'd like you to touch a little bit more because this is um what is kind of cool with this book too is you've really uh, you've done something different but you've also shared the research data in a really simple format. Um what drove you to do that? Well, the book worked with my mother and I, but how did I know if it was going to work with other people that had mm-hmm. Alzheimer's and dementia? And cuz I, you know, had full trust that my mother knew who I was even when she couldn't say my name. Um I just felt that there was a spiritual level to our relationship and to our energy and so um so the book worked with mom and I and I thought, well shoot, you know, I can't <laughs> put this out there for a bunch of other families and, and professionals if 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 it's not going to work um in the same way that it did for my mom and I. So and I guess because of my um my occupational therapy background and knowing that research is an, an important component um, to practice, um, a perfective practice, I it was sort of natural for me to, to think about the fact that, well, um, I can set up a simple research study, uh, knowing mm-hmm. that it wasn't going to be like anything like Einstein-like, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be more in the behavioral observation. So, so I, um, I went to a local uh, to to Raleigh, North Carolina, um, nursing home facility to a memory care unit and fortunately um, had someone uh, help me gather individuals uh, across the spectrum of of the disease. Um, and um, so I had 13 individuals, and one of them was my mom. Uh, you know, I put down studies as to what how she responded to the different pictures. And um, so I sat with these individuals and um, basically you know, recorded, you know, what kind of facial expression did they make when they saw the picture? Um, what did they do with their hands? Uh, did they initiate turning the pages? Um, how was their body language um, when they were looking at the pictures? Did it seem like they were agitated or were they calm and, and centered? Um, instead of using language, did they make vocal sounds um, uh, instead of saying, something that was more recognizable but um and um and how long did they look at the pictures and what was significant about this particular individual as to how the book either helped them or how they responded to it um and i 
put the research into the book so that for a couple reasons, um, certainly a professional might, you know, look at it and go, oh, that's very interesting data to to understand. And then I thought, well, you know, family members, even though research may not be something that they automatically, you know, think about reading, um, I thought, well, you know, it might give them comfort to know that their loved one is not that much different um, than some of these other people that had looked at the book. Um, so a source of comfort. Um, and what I learned, the, the biggest thing that I learned, Lori, was that, um, and I know this is a huge piece of uh, your advocacy for individuals and families uh, experiencing the Alzheimer's and dementia, is that you have you have a relationship, you connect, you socialize, um, as much as you can and how important that is. And and so what I learned, uh, and it was really one of the most pleasant um, experiences of putting this book together, was how important the individual ultimately, I think, felt when I sat down next to them and asked them if they would like to take time to look at this book with me. And they immediately gave me um, a positive sense that uh, that they would like to do that. If they didn't say yes, they just were very um, uh, participatory. Uh, they immediately became engaged with what I was doing. And for those individuals who uh, have a loved one or know of somebody um, who is more agitated and angry um, and more outspoken, um, I found that, that the individual uh, who tends to be that way, it is harder to have get them engaged because they're very distracted and their body wants to be someplace else. And so in the end, you have to honor where they are and, um, you know, be as calm as you can be um, so that uh, they can um, do what it is that they, their body is having them, having them do. And it is a hard situation. It does make it more challenging. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Now I do think that we've got somebody on the line again. Let me see here. Um, got a six four six number on the line. You're live and on the air. Do you have a question or a comment for Ray Lynn? Lori. <coughs> Hello. Uh-huh. Yes, this is Lori. Hi, it's Lisa, it's Lisa Hirsch. I I just tuned in a little late, so that's why I haven't made a comment. And for some reason, when I went on. I couldn't get it on my internet, so I called in. But oh, okay. the, where I've tuned in, I just like um, the the one thing, and it's it's you know there are resources out there. Um, and the only comment I was going to say, I happen to live in a big city in New York, and I have heard people. I go to a support group, and I've heard people say that even in New Jersey. That or and someone else moved out to San Francisco and came back and said that the support from the Alzheimer's associations weren't as great. They couldn't even find mm. some groups. And since I had it all surround me and it was right here at my doorstep, it was like I was surprised hearing that. So even though there is support out there, it's in some ways limited depending on where you live. True. Yep, yep. And I know, you know, for funding, you know, things are, I mean, they struggle. 
um, just like you know everybody does with budgets and things. And um, we really need more money poured into this so that we can we can get the help that people need um, in all areas. And um, and I think that's one of the reasons a lot of the grassroots things have started to crop up. Too. And as more people get involved with this, like you, Lisa, you wrote your book. And you can go ahead and give a plug for that. Um, you know, I, I'm doing what I'm doing because I was touched by the disease, the power of this disease, and the, the passion that I think that it ignites in all of us to help the next guy is um, going to be going to make some massive, massive difference in the world um, because we're we're saying we all need help. And I found this that worked for me. I'd like to share it, you know, with you. And um, so, Lisa, do you want to give a, a plug for your book here, real quick, too, since you called yeah, in? Sure. Yeah, it, it's uh, my mom, my hero, and it's available on Amazon uh, as well as Kindle. Um, and I also have a blog that's very active, um, which can be found on Facebook, and that's my mom, my hero. And Ray, like I said, I called, I yeah. you know tuned in a little late, but I congratulate you on what you've done and um it, it 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 does amaze me and i get comments from my book but i get so much more from my blog and it is amazing how many people really as much resources as we think that's out there that they have yeah. no one to talk to and they relate to i know they relate to what i say um and it's like i, I don't want to say misery loves company but it's like they feel a comfort that they're not there alone. Like, wow, what you exactly. just wrote about is something that, I, that I'm going through with my mother, or it could be my father. Um, I find a lot more mothers. I don't know if it's called my mom, my hero, um, <laughs> or or if it's more of a female disease. I mean, I know they say. <laughs> um, so that that was like something I wanted to add in. But... Well, I know that when I know that when. Um... I was going through this uh, process uh, in my mid-40s with my my family. Um, my peers were not um, experiencing um, the aging continuum <laughs> uh, in their own personal life. And I'll tell you what, I did feel alone. And so you need, I mean, in, in, but I was not angry at these friends who didn't say, well, how is your mom doing? How are you doing? Because they just didn't know. So... You know, when you said it, misery loves company, I, I think that it goes to the saying that, you know, until you've been through something, you don't quite understand. Um, and and uh, the human condition knows that we need people that understand. And, and even though I made that comment, and Lori knows me a little better than you, because we're just speaking for the first time, is I come from really a more positive, um, I, I want to say, I want to use the word upbeat, um, to it, I, I don't come from. I come from being thankful for what I now still have with my mother, and and I'm very fortunate that I've been in this place. You know, it's already nine years for us, um, and yes, she's getting a lot worse. But it was like when I just came back from seeing her in the nursing home that she recently entered. I was still I was still thankful that she knows me or knows my name, maybe not every second, and that there was still um able she's able to walk, you know, in a walker and and speak and and she's 
as far gone as she is, I know what can lie ahead. Not every single person gets, you know, that bad. Right. But it's 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 and so I I didn't when I said misery loves company. It wasn't coming from. Um, it's it's. I think it's if people can embrace. I think a lot of and I hear this in my support group and I hear this from numbers of people like I want my old mom back. You know, right. uh, she's right. not the same. Well, you know, life's not the same. And, and like, can you can you can you grasp what you have now? Because there will be a time when there won't be anyone you can hold on to or touch their hand. And, and you know, so that's pretty much where I come from. Right, right. Well, and and people are grieving. They're grieving because they're they're losing. They're losing what they knew, um, and so that's where people need help um, to um, to be empowered to understand the, what their process. You know that they are grieving, and that it's a normal part of the process. And and then, what tools can I can I have that will uh, make it a more of a positive situation and take advantage of what is, not what isn't. In terms of skills. very interesting, when you say that word grieving, when I first started support group and they told, and my support group leader, whose mom and dad died of Alzheimer's over twenty years ago, when it was a disease less less understood, yes, and she yes. told me that I was grieving, and I got really upset. What do you mean I'm grieving? My mom isn't dying, you know. And yeah, I really, yeah. this was uh, almost three years ago, and I was able to accept that which hopefully makes the process easier. Right, right, right. Wonderful. It's well, hard thank to, you. It's hard to imagine. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead and finish, Raylan. Um, it's, I think that, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, um, Lisa, but um, I think that we think of grieving as being a process that happens when someone has died. And your response was, my mother isn't dead. Um, But as we uh, lose, I mean, grieving is is attributed to uh, the process of losing something, Uh, whether it's, you know, that the person has died or that they're losing what, who they had been and were able to do. And as we all age, uh, we go through a letting go and a grieving process, whether we're conscious of it or not. Very true. Right. Very true. Absolutely. Very true. But it was hard for me well, to understand, but you understood why I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well. Yep. well, and some of it is just explaining. Yeah, I mean, that is something I think that almost has to be explained because that is where everybody goes yeah. right away is, you know, what is the definition of grief? And um, and really, it's, this is multiple losses. You know, going through this, going through this disease, and um, it is something that we have to kind of retrain ourselves to, to look at that it it is it is about that process, but it's not a one time it's not a one time thing, and no, no. Um, so important differentiation. Well, thank you for calling in, Lisa. Um, I've always appreciate your comments so much. So. Um, and if people are interested, they can follow Lisa on her blog, My Mom, My Hero, or, you know, go to Amazon and, and get the book. So thanks again, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. 
Thank you, mm-hmm. Lori, for Thank everything you. you do. You know how I feel about you. Okay, have a great <laughs> yeah. day, ladies. <laughs> bye bye. Okay, you too. Bye bye. Um, Raylan, what is the one thing before we close that you would, um, you know, recommend to people? What's what's the one kind of tip for people who are are dealing with dementia that that you would like to tell our listening audience that it's important to understand about a person who's who's got dementia? Um, I I have to say that. Um, that although the person is changed or changing before your eyes, they are still inside um, who they always have been. And so uh, integrity and honor are two words that that um, pop up into my head that apply um, for all of us. Um, in our world and in our day-to-day interactions with people, but in particular with the person who is um, afflicted with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia because they cannot always speak for themselves as to how they're feeling. Um, so I think it's very important that we recognize that, that there is a spiritual connection um, and that, our, I mean, all of us know that we can feel each other's energy uh, you can tell if somebody is um, providing you unconditional love, um, or if they are uh, they are angry at you. Uh, you can you can feel that um, in your day to day interactions. And so why can't a per- why can't a person who has Alzheimer's dementia be? Why would they be any different? Um, so you have to honor that um, core part of that person um, that they. Uh, know how you are really feeling um, and um, to love them unconditionally um, and allow them to feel that each time you're with them. Wonderful. Well, I I can't thank you enough for spending this hour with us. And I have to say that I I loved one of the phrases, one of many of the phrases that you gave us and and insights. But you talked about your book, Let's Look Together, as a way to have a failure-free conversation. And I just thought, oh, that is just so nice because there is a lot of fear of right or wrong and how do you know what do I say and how do I do this and um i just I just thought what a when you said it, it just in me um even though i I feel like I know how to communicate with my mom and you know she's in her very end stages where this wouldn't even be effective really with her um it, it just gave me this peacefulness when you said that phrase failure free conversation and i I would encourage our audience to look at all interactions as failure free you know that's it's it's not a win or lose thing um it it's just about engaging in that so yeah. what's the best way for people to um get a you know order your book well you can go to my website which is um of course www. and then it's letslooktogether.com and um there is a link on the home page uh, that will bring you to the publisher, uh, who is Health Professions Press, um, and Amazon also does sell the book, um, so you can purchase it there as well. And uh, depending on where you live um, and what 
the Alzheimer's Associations have in their resource library. Uh, you may also be able to um, to purchase a book there. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for for being with us today. It's just been a, a wonderful, wonderful conversation, and I I really encourage people to to get this book. Let's look together. Um, I, I think it can be a really powerful tool for again both professionals and families just to have a, an easier uh, conversation and to get back to the joy of of connecting and. Um, and just engaging one another. So thank you, Ray Lynn. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And again, I appreciate your time and, and all of your efforts to to you know get this book together and out to the world. I think it's thank something that's, that's greatly needed. So appreciate all that thank you do. Okay, bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, kind of go into our mid-program highlights right now. And before I pull in our next guest, which I think will be a wonderful conversation as well, um, our last radio show was an open mic for end-of-the-year reflections, but I also want to point out that on the 24th, right before Christmas, we had Tipa Snow on, and that is, that's a show I think that you'll really want to go back and listen to if you haven't already. That is in our, in our archives. Our um, next show, as always, um, will be next Tuesday. Um, and same time, same place. So just go ahead and mark that down on your calendar. And you can even ask, uh, you know, follow us and, and ask to be reminded when the show is coming up as well. Our last Dementia Chats, which is a webinar series that I do twice a month where I interview people with dementia, was on December 24th. Again, those shows are the second and the fourth Tuesday of each month. And in that session, we covered, we talked about technology, its usefulness and its affordability and some of the traps between both of those. Um, we also talked about helping those that are isolated by dementia, not just the person diagnosed, but also their care partners as well, and people's plans for the new year. And we had a um, nice conversation with people calling in on that. Our next Dementia Chats will be January 14th. That's at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and that would be noon Pacific Time. On the blog uh, highlights, there was, uh, you know, I'm really pushing this show and it's hitting Broadway. My mom has four noses. If you have an opportunity to see it, you want to see it. It is an incredible, incredible performance. Um, It's a a one-person show by Jonathan Brooks. Brooke, and she is an amazing singer-songwriter, and the way she performs this story, it gets you laughing and crying. And even if you have not been touched by dementia, you will be touched by how you've been cared for or cared for somebody else in your life. Um, it's just a, I've never been to anything quite so profound with the um, the conversations that have happened long after the show. Um, so I'm really excited that she's going to be um, on Broadway at the Duke Theater starting, um, I think it's February 14th. But on uh, January 2nd, there's an article on the blog that talks about that. Michelle, who's our next guest, wrote an article. She writes an article typically every 
Sunday evening, and this last one on the 5th was on shadow boxes. And then I just wrote an article um, a little bit late about celebrating life every moment we get. And that um, will give you also a little update on kind of my mom's status, who's in hospice, and uh, her birthday was January 1st, and how we celebrated that day and and what came out. We were really quite blessed with um, the time she was able to connect with us was pretty rare. Um, you know, even in her end stages, typically, if if she can stay awake and kind of connected to us 20 minutes out of a two and a half hour period. And and this um, this birthday, she was with us pretty much the whole time. It was absolutely um, a blessing and fascinating. And there's some pictures and stuff to go with that too, in case you're following our story. Again, want to give a shout out about the Purple Angel. Anybody who wants to get involved with that, very easy to do. Just, uh, I'm one of the ambassadors for the Purple Angel. Just shoot me an email and we can get you information how to use this new global symbol. Um, same if you're interested in um, starting to become a dementia-friendly community or business, I would be glad to talk with you on, on how to get that started and what all that takes. For those of you looking for an Alzheimer's Association somewhere in your area, I recommend you Google Alzheimer's Disease International. There you will get all the information to all the Alzheimer's Associations around the world. So many of us are long-distance caregivers, and it's, it's just a nice way to be able to see the connectiveness. They also have information on the Global Summit Mark Wartman, the executive director, is going to be with us on the 28th talking about that summit, talking about their upcoming conference um, in May, talking about a nutritional study that's out with nutrition and dementia. So be an interesting conversation uh, that you might want to partake in. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, wonderful organization that really takes a holistic approach to the disease. If you have not checked them out, I highly recommend that you do that. And then, of course, there's the Lewy Body Association, the Frontal Temporal Lobe, the um, National Aphasia Association for those that are dealing with you know, specific instances um, and diagnosis of dementia, it's really nice to be able to um, talk with um, an organization that knows and understands the specifics in which you are are, are dealing with there. And um, then last uh, is my kind of social connection pieces that I think is important for us to talk about um, such as Music First with Choral Health, Puzzle With Me and Jiminy Wicked, just really simple ways to be able to go ahead and and connect with people and um, and have fun. You know, we should all be having fun and um, not losing our relationship to, to this disease. So um, with that, let me go ahead and introduce our next guest. Um, Michelle um, Remold is a graduate from the University of Northern Iowa with her degree in gerontology and social science and family studies. She's working on her master's degree in aging studies and nursing home administration at the uh, Minnesota State University of Mankato. 
She has interned for the Fairbolt Area Senior Center and the Alzheimer's Association, the East Central Iowa chapter. And she's also interning here with us at Alzheimer's Speaks. And I, I just feel so blessed to have gotten to to know Michelle. She is really quite a special, special gal. She recently just accepted a position as the administrative coordinator at the Northfield Senior Center. And um, so welcome, Michelle. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. Still a little chilly here, but it's nice to see the the sun out at least. (laughs) How cold cold is it where you are? Um, Right now I think it's a negative two. A negative two. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of warm for us <laughs> compared, yeah. to what, compared to what it's been. Well, Michelle, I would love to um, get your perspective because I, I always find it fascinating um, when young people are interested in this field. So can you give us a little background as to, you know, what what drew you into this field? Uh, yep. Um, my grandfather was actually diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I was about eight um, he passed away uh, when I turned 17 about, um, so I spent a lot of time visiting him up on his dementia care wing and just in the nursing home in general. And I always loved spending time with the residents up there and seeing them smile when my brother and I would walk in. And so when I actually had to choose a degree, um, my mom mentioned it to me, and I could see myself volunteering but not really doing it as a career um, until I started getting more involved with the um, curriculum and then um, volunteering and stuff, I discovered that I actually did, in fact, have a passion for working with older adults and especially being around those with um, Alzheimer's and dementia. So I figured it would be a good area for me to kind of sneak my way into, and I think it's an area where more and more people are going to be needed. Oh, definitely. Definitely more and more people are going to be needed. That's for sure. Now, one of the things that I found fascinating was that you created a memory truck program at the University of Northern Iowa, and I would love for you to share that with our audience. What What is a memory trunk, and how did that come to be? Yep. Um, actually, I... Um, put it together while I was interning at the Fairbolt Area Senior Center. Um, when we are assigned internships, we are required to come up with a program that can be utilized by whichever place we are working in, so either something that they might want to use down the line or something they're working on. Um, so they gave me the option of stuff they, that I could work on, and one of them was memory trunks. And so um, I kind of researched a little bit on it. They gave me some materials, but pretty much told me to run with it and see what I could come up with. So um, what it was is I ended up taking trunks, or depending on the theme, I had backpacks, um, picnic baskets, and stuff, and they were all, everything that the stuff was in was based on the um, topic that I chose to talk about. I think I ended up with about 12 different themes, and I would um, put visual aids in there that they could pass around or that would eventually become talking points um, for the program, and it was specifically geared towards Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, I had a fellow student. Yeah? Oh, I was going to ask, when you say visual aids, can you give us some examples? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So for the farm theme, we had 
uh, twine. We had different farm animal toys, a cow, a pig, chickens. We had barns. Um, we had old photos. We went through old magazines and stuff and found, like, outhouses and um, old farm equipment and stuff that would probably jog memories more than the um, stuff we have now. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of stuff that we could connect to their generation and make a connection that way. Um, so especially with the farm thing, they had a lot of fun passing around cows and being like, oh, we didn't have this one. We had beef cows or that kind of stuff. Well, I bet you got pretty educated in the process of, of just hearing the stories coming out from people. Uh, yep. yep. That had to be a lot um, of fun. Yeah. So, but yeah, the program is still going on in Cedar Falls. Um, when I graduated, um, our um, associate professor in gerontology, um, Dr. Elaine Ashbaugh, actually took the program over from me. Um, I wrote her a handbook, and she has all of my trunks, and she was actually going out today to a facility and doing it. So it's kind of fun to hear what they're up to and how it's going oh. down there. Oh, very neat. Is that something mm-hmm. that you would ever see expanding at all? Um, um, I I think it has the potential to. When I first started, it um, Dr. Ashbaugh actually put out a um, newsletter that just kind of mentioned us and that I was training a group of students that um, would be specially trained to go out and do this program with um, people with dementia and Alzheimer's. And at first, our response was a little slow, but once different facilities started hearing about it, it spread really quickly. We actually had a couple of requests to drive like three hours to go present the program. Yep. So it was, it spread really fast when we had um, the manpower to do it. Oh, very cool. It it definitely has potential. Yep. Oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah. I, I, because I I just think that it's, Again, it's just another great, um, important way for people to learn how to connect and to, to share stories or, or and even pull stories out of people, um, you know, to be able to get some of that rich history and that conversation that that so many times is lost, um, yep. you know, in the process there. Um, what was I going to say? Um now, with these, now you you had mentioned, um, you know, what what are they stored in? Does it depend on on the theme, in terms of what the trunk looks like, or are the trunks all the same, or is it just plastic containers with stuff in them that you pull out, or how does that work? Uh, nope. Um, it originally it started. Um, we were going to try to actually use physical trunks, which mm-hmm. were proving kind of difficult to come by. So I actually built one that the um, senior center has in town here. Um, They use that one that has the farm theme in it. Um, But then as we started developing them for the picnic theme, we were like, well, why use a trunk when we can have a picnic basket? So um, we had a couple people who donated picnic baskets for that. Um, The school theme, we put in a backpack. Mm -hmm. Um, When we did, like, holiday stuff, we would maybe use, like, a Christmas stocking or um, I would try to do gift bags or something if I couldn't find something. So if we were doing, like, birthdays, mm-hmm. I would try to find a big birthday bag and put everything in there. So I tried to adapt it to what we were doing, but we had a few that I ended up just putting into just, like, a plastic container because I couldn't find a corresponding sure. container to sure. put them in. 
but yep. sure. Did you ever do anything sports related at all, like with bats and balls and you know? Um, or we did. What? Yep. Nope. We did um out childhood games, and mm-hmm. so we did um sports, and then we had like Red Rover and that kind of stuff. And they were like, we never played those, but we played these, and so it was kind of fun to be like, well, I don't know what that game is, and then uh-huh. figure out what what they were playing because it was. We had a little bit of a gap in games, but it was fun. Very neat. Very, very. And how exciting to know that that that's still going forward and um, mm-hmm. in, in still in use. That's that's really really exciting. Well, congratulations on putting that together and oh. and sharing that. I think that's uh, that's absolutely fabulous. If somebody wanted to kind of start their own trunk program, what would you recommend? Um, that they do. Uh, I would definitely get in contact with um, different nursing facilities. Um, And I would also, if you have a theme or something, we learned pretty early on that we couldn't stick to our discussion points all the time. So it's really important to be flexible and just kind of let them talk about whatever comes to mind. Um, We had some of our best discussions when we went off topic for a mm-hmm. while and just talked about whatever they were talking about. And so I think that was our most important, my number one rule for my group of students was I don't care what they're talking about, but don't interrupt them. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun just kind of learning more about them and stuff that way. Okay. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, and I think that that's a good point for all of us to, to remember that um, mm-hmm. it's not about being right or wrong. It's not correcting. It's it's listening and engaging and impre- appreciating um, the conversation um, as mm-hmm. a whole um, for what, what people want to do. Well, very cool. Very cool. Um, now, you decided, you know, you've done a couple of different internships, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm just interested if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, because we might have some, some young listeners out there, um, what made you decide um, to do a, an internship, and what have you gotten out of out of doing them? Yep. Um, the first one that I did at the Fairbold Area Senior Center was actually a requirement of graduation. Um, we had to do, I think it was six assignments, and so that one I did because I had to is what it started out as, but I actually still keep in touch with them and volunteer there a lot. Um, the Alzheimer's Association one, I was on the um, board for our Quest to Unravel Alzheimer's Scavenger Hunt on campus and was approached by their director, and she was wondering why I had never applied before for their internship. Mm-hmm. And it was getting around graduation time, so I figured, well, one more won't hurt, and just kind of see what the Alzheimer's Association is all about from an inside view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one, it was just I helped um, plan one a couple of the walk to end Alzheimer's and stuff. So it was just interesting to see that end. Mm-hmm. And then um, with you, I saw it on the news and was just kind of intrigued by what it was because I'd never heard about it before. And I really like um, Alzheimer's Speaks mission, so I decided to contact you. And um, I don't know. Overall, I just like being able to use my knowledge and skills um, while expanding my knowledge and skills at the same time. Okay. Kind of okay. Goes hand in hand, I guess. Did you? Were you um, apprehensive at all when you first um, 
you know, started, you know, any of your internships? I, I would imagine, you know, a lot of times when, when you start a new job or you go to a new group, there's that, that apprehension. Any any um, tips for people who might be thinking about doing, you know, a, an internship or volunteering out there um, to help ease some of that anxiety? I would um, get to know uh, the people you're going to either volunteer or intern with. Um, I was lucky when I went to the senior center, they interviewed me. And um, one of the people actually set up respite care for my grandfather when he was still living at home. And so she knew my family pretty well. And um, But we yeah, we did an interview. I visited a couple more times before I actually started my internship. So we were talking long before that. And I think that definitely helped because I kind of knew who I was talking to. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, and um, the Alzheimer's Association. I um, spoke with them previously, and I met with you before um, we decided to do the internship. So I think it just kind of helps to get to know who you're thinking about doing stuff with. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. I think it's good on on both sides to figure out expectations and and what's going to work. Um, you know, is it going to be comfortable? Because I think sometimes people think, oh, they're going to make me do stuff I can't do, or I don't want to do, or I don't have time to do, or the times aren't going to times or days aren't going to work. And just to be able to have have those conversations, I think is is very very important uh, to be able to do with that. So. Well, wonderful. Um, is there is there anything that you would um, add to get others interested in working in the field? Um, you know, what maybe what have you gotten out of it? Um, how is it, uh, you know, given you, you know, either impassioned you or, um, you know, just given you peacefulness to do to do what you're doing. Yep. Um, I don't know. Like I said before, I, there is definitely a growing need, especially with the baby boomers um, getting up there in age. But I also find it um, to be incredibly rewarding. It's kind of like I kind of compared to working with kids. I like they're always happy to see you. And I don't I don't know, I guess growing up, I've had the experience of just talking with them and whatever they are talking about. Um, but, yeah, I. I don't know. I absolutely love it. I think everyone thinks that it takes someone patient to do it, but I think it just kind of takes time to kind of learn how to communicate with them and mm-hmm. um, what the best methods are for that. And so, I, and it's also fostered quite a few um, intergenerational friendships. My brother and I used to go visit a person at the nursing home when um, after my grandma got out from rehab because we didn't have any family and so we'd go up whenever we were on breaks and stuff and we'd visit him and my brother would be playing video games with him and stuff so it's just kind of fun to get to know people. Yeah, it's it's that um I, I remember just the other day I stopped up at the nursing home and, and um my mom was in bed, and so I, I was visiting with her there. And then I went down to the nurses' station, and before I went into the nurses' station, I, you know, kind of zip through and kind of say hi to everybody as I'm going. Mm-hmm. And one one woman was um, kind of sitting in her wheelchair alone. Everyone else was kind of in the living room area, and she was still in the dining room area. And she called me over to her, and she just had this huge, huge smile on her face, and she just grabbed my hand. And she just had mm-hmm. this twinkle in her eyes, and she was just so 
precious. And she says, oh, thank you for coming. We all need you so much. You have no idea what your visits do. Nobody visits us. This is just, you just, you know, God sent you, you know, and she's just tapping my hand and holding it. And it was just like, oh, she's just making my heart just melt, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I really didn't do anything except say hi to a few, you know, people um, yep. and um, and and let them know that that they're worthy, you know, worthy of attention mm-hmm. and that they that they matter. So it I mean it's just really small things but the gifts that you get back I think mm-hmm. are just absolutely enormous and um so many times I think overlooked in terms of of the importance of just making those connections with people is just uh mm-hmm. just absolutely incredible what uh, do you have some visions of of you know where do you want to be in five years in the field? What have you thought about um, where you kind of want to land? Have you sculpted that um, out at all? Or I have a little bit. Um, I always say my dream job. We went into um, an adult daycare center um, as one of our places. We did a memory uh, trunk program, and I right now I would absolutely love to run one. I think it would be. Mm-hmm a lot of fun um but right now my goal is just kind of trying to find a niche somewhere working with people with alzheimer's and dementia where i could have um a lot of one-on-one contact and get to make those connections on a daily basis mm-hmm. and so i know um i think the seniors or yep working at the northfield senior center will kind of be a good step in that direction and maybe give me some more ideas on where i can go from there well, that'll be great. I know that um, you, in your bio, you had noted, I think, that you were going for your master's in nursing home administration, and so mm-hmm. I didn't know if you were leaning towards uh, going that route in terms of... Yeah, um, I'm actually um, thinking about switching um, back over to social work and then having gerontology mm-hmm. be my emphasis, because okay. after taking the nursing home administration class, I decided that that probably was not really where I wanted to be focusing, so I'm still working on seeing how I can switch over. Yeah, a lot of budgets and <laughs> kind yeah. of di- different focus on crunching numbers mm-hmm. versus uh, meeting with people, you know, and, and the multitasking. Yeah, it's really the running of the business um, mm-hmm. side can be can be very different. Uh, a skill set and uh, ability to get, I guess, satisfied and find your rewards, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in that in that sector. On that, so okay. What what have you found um, the most rewarding? You know, is there is there a story you can tell us about engaging um, with with the the older population or people with dementia that? you know, just kind of melts your heart and stands out. Do you have one or two stories you can share with I, us? I do actually have one, and it stands out probably the most to me from any of them. Uh, it was one of our first memory programs we did. Uh, we had a discussion beach ball, and I think it was actually our first dementia unit we were on for that. Um, and there were a couple family members visiting, and the group they gave us wasn't the highest functioning group. So we were a little leery about it, and one wife was sitting with her husband, and she would answer the questions for him, and she's like, he just won't talk. You know, we can you can pass it to him, but he's better just listening. And so we were getting ready to leave, and she asked us if we would pass the ball to them one more time. And so she caught it, and she read him the question, 
And she was like, I think Thanksgiving is probably his favorite holiday. And he looked at her and he goes, no, my wife's birthday is my favorite holiday. And she had, oh. she started crying and she was like, thank you so much for coming. She's like, he never talks. And she was like, I promise I didn't bribe him to say anything. And we were like, <laughs> it was just, it's, it was really heartwarming to see, you know, that she got something out of it when she didn't think she would. Yeah. Um, yep. We had, yeah, we've had a lot of people where we'll leave and they'll come over to us and give us hugs. It's like, thanks for visiting. It's so nice that you came or they would be like, well, do you want to come back to our room so we can show you stuff? And they just get so excited. And I think that's really what makes me want to work with them even more is the ability to make their day when I'm not really doing anything. You know, I might mm-hmm. say hi or just stop in to talk to somebody, but they just love having company and I'll take the time to visit. We actually went up to visit my grandma at the nursing home over Christmas and there was a lady that came over and she was just kind of lingering by me and so I was just like, oh, hi. And she started hugging me and she's like, oh, thank you for coming. And I was like, okay. And my mom's like, geez, you have so much patience because she was like kissing my head and like patting me on the head. And I'm like, I don't know. I did something that made her happy and so I just let her go with it. And she eventually just walked away and was happy. And I'm like, yeah, you and know what, if I can make somebody happy by just being there, then that's worth it. Exactly. It it's, can be such simple, simple things um, that uh, that mean so much um, to somebody, mm-hmm. especially especially when they're in a community and further along in the disease, you know, and have less mm-hmm. family and, and uh, less people to connect with. And... Uh, you know, it's just in, it's important for us to all keep in mind this this could be somebody we know next, or it could even be us. And um, and again, um, you know, prior to the disease progressing, there's things that we can do as individuals, as businesses, as communities to make people with dementia feel much more comfortable in their environment. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's just a a smile on the face and a hello. You know, or mm-hmm. someone's struggling in front of you in the store making change. Most of us growl and get antsy and, you know, rock back and forth on our feet and look at our watch or our cell phones. You know, yeah. we're busy, busy people, you know, and mm-hmm. um, that irritation just disseminates instead of just, you know, being patient and pleasant and think, mm-hmm. you know, that could be me someday. You know, how do I mm-hmm. want to be treated and just um, treating people with, um, you know, respect and dignity. Um, a simple yep. thing to say to do, but um, typically a hard thing for people to actually do mm-hmm. in, in real life on that. Yep. Is is there anything else that you're, that you're dying to share with our audience at all? Um, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. No, well, not I, at the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Well, I just again, I I so appreciate all you do for us on, on Alzheimer Speaks, and I would Thank really you. recommend people um, check out her her blogs um, Sundays. Um, she just does a nice job. There's always great conversation generated by them, and you know many of them. You know, it seems to be lessons that you've learned from from just dealing with your own family experience with your grandpa. Um, you've really been able to draw on that. And 
and teach us simple lessons um, in a very kind way, but show you know share a story um, that kind of exemplifies why it's so important too. Um, of the of the blog posts that you've written, is there one that that sticks out in your mind at all? Um, I think there was one. Let me take a peek here. I've gotten good feedback. I have a couple people at work that read them. They actually watch for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the one I wrote, "You're a Cow," got a lot of um, fun comments. Otherwise, I really liked. Um, I think it's important for like the ones that I wrote, like cherished little moments or the thought that counts, because it just kind of um, helps reiterate that take don't take the small things for granted because they're often the ones that mean the most. Yep. Yep. So. Exactly. Um, it's it's been interesting um, watching the comments come in because I, I I also get them through LinkedIn that don't show up on the blog or through you know my my Google circles and things like that too. So not all of them mm-hmm. um, chain on this because we push them out in so many different directions. I know the the one remember the person not the disease. Um, you know, got quite a few comments, and and people uh-huh. were just um, just amazed at at what great advice that you have um, to give, and are um, so appreciative of you taking the time to share your knowledge with all of us. So, um, if people want to get a hold of you, Michelle, is there a best uh-huh. way they can contact you? Uh, yep. Uh, you could actually email me my um, the email I check the most is probably my um, UNI one. It's uh, Remold M, so R E M O L D M at UNI dot edu. Okay. Do you want to say that one more time slower for people yep. in case they're yep. Okay. It's um, Remold M R E M O L D M at UNI dot edu. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for for sharing your time with us today, and um, thank you and for inviting me. The, the memory trunk it's, that was, you know, such a cool, cool uh, thing that that you've created, and it continues to live and breathe. And again, all of your wonderful insights and. Um, you know, Northfield's going to be really lucky to have you uh, with our program. So, great. Well, you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and stay warm. It's going to finally warm up. I'm heading out to Florida here in a couple of oh. days, but it, it'll still be nice to get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though, you know, we're going to hit the 20s maybe, and and uh, they said it's going to be like a 60-degree swing that we're going to have. So oh, that'll wow. be nice. Everybody will be running around in shorts, you know, at, at yep. 20, 20 above here in Minnesota <laughs> because mm-hmm. we're going to think it's going to think it's warm. So, yeah, interesting. Well, thanks again, Michelle. And, um, again, always a pleasure to talk with you, and I, I look forward oh, yeah. to working with you in the future. Oh, okay? Thank you. Yep. Okay, bye now. Bye. Well, with that, I think we're going to um, go ahead and wrap up the show here. I am going to be pulling um, some information together on the Purple Angel. We're going to be adding a tab onto the, my website for people who are interested in getting information specific um, 
to you know how how do they partake um, in um, in the Purple Angel project? How do they dis- how do they get the Purple Angel to display? What do they need to do to get one of the the stickers and things? So we'll be outlining that in terms of who you can contact and how how that can all unfold for you. Again, if you um, haven't listened to the radio show on the 24th with Tipa Snow, I would highly recommend that you do that. She's just always such a joy um, to listen to. She also has some upcoming events, um, I want to say both in January and February, um, that she'll talk about too, that if you're in those areas that all have CEUs that you may want to uh, venture in uh, into. Um, and then next Tuesday we'll be back um, with our with our show time as usual, and on January 14th will be the new Dementia Chats webinar. If you missed the last one, that was on the 24th. Again, they're all recorded. That session covered technology and its usefulness and its affordability um, issues that people had with both and pluses um, and the positive things with uh, with that as well. And then. How to help those that are isolated, both the care partner and the person um, struggling with the disease. And then our past blogs are, I think, always of interest to people with that. Um, Wrapping up, again, Purple Angel Project, I'm I'm really going to be pushing that hard. I would love to see all of our listeners, because you you can be an individual or a company and display the Purple Angel. And the Purple Angel, again, is just uh, the new global symbol for dementia. We want it to be as big and as powerful as the pink ribbon for breast cancer. And again, that was all started as, as a grassroots effort like this is, but it's it's really gaining momentum. If you are looking for an Alzheimer's Association, you know, anywhere in the world, go to Alzheimer's Disease International. And please check out the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. They have some really neat things to offer. Their meditations, uh, they come from a more holistic approach. Um, with and, and so you'll find things out about dietary, but they, they've got a great meditation that is uh, extremely helpful for both the person diagnosed and the caregiver. The Lewy Body Association, the Frontal Temporal uh, Association, and the National Aphasia um, Organization are also additional resources if you've got those specific entities that you're dealing with. Um, if you're looking for a trial, again, the Alzheimer's Studies um, dot com uh, will get you to that third clinical trial. And I'd be amiss if I didn't say thanks to uh, Custom A Design, who um, coordinates my website, <laughs> which is always moving and shaking around as websites do. So I really appreciate all of their efforts as well. Until next time, you guys have an absolutely fabulous, fabulous week. And please keep warm. Um, If you're in the East Coast, I would imagine our weather is coming your way. And Man, it's it's chilly. (laughs) It's really chilly. Um, And not something that you want to fool around with at all. You want to make sure that you are bundled up and and, uh, can stay nice and warm. Oh, last thing I do want to mention is that if you are um, 
if you either have a service, product, or tool regarding dementia, we would love for you to be part of our resource directory, and that is very easy to do. There is no fee to be on there. Just go to alzheimerspeaks.com. Click on um, the gold button that says Partnering Options, Share That You Care, and click on that, become a member, and then once you're a member, you can go ahead and sign up um, in various areas. So if you're a speaker or you've got a book or if you're um, a housing community, transportation technology, I mean, the list is, is quite extensive, um, feel free to, uh, to, be, to join us and um, let the world know that you're out there. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey go a lot easier.